The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here he is, Brandon. And now on the Brandon Peters Show 1, we return you to Brandon Peters and Russell McGee's 60th anniversary of Doctor Who discussion, continuing on with their talk about the fourth Doctor, played by Tom Baker. If someone who knew the future pointed out a child to you and told you that that child would grow up totally evil, to be a ruthless dictator who would destroy millions of lives, could you then kill that child? We're talking about the Daleks, the most evil creatures ever invented. You must destroy them. You must complete your mission for the Time Lords. Do I have the right? Simply touch one wire against the other, and it's it. The Daleks cease to exist. Hundreds of millions of people, thousands of generations can live without fear, in peace, and never even know the word Dalek. Then why wait? If it was a disease or some sort of bacteria you were destroying, you wouldn't hesitate. But if I kill, wipe out a whole intelligent life form, then I become like them. So now we will move on, everyone, to... Let's see Your here. favorite doctor. My personal favorite, Mr... Uh... <laughs> Thomas, and uh, you know what? The guy who I share a birthday with. So, Oh, you it's... you know what? You've not told me that before. Yep, we were both born on January 20th. So that's the Very coolest cool. thing. My favorite doctor and I have the same birthday. Also, <laughs> uh, DeForest Kelly, uh, born that day as well. So I've And David Lynch. So I have a very nerdy to me <laughs> birthday. Amazing. All right. Russell, what is your favorite Tom Baker story? Uh, and there's, there's a story behind this, but the hand of fear, my friend, uh, that is my wow. number one. All right. Wow. This is a stunner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Stun. <laughs> but All right. Here, here's why. And like, and I guess I'll go into the, the story, but the story behind why I like the story okay. is technically speaking, this is the very first story of Dr. Who that I ever saw. I got to see two episodes of it. And then for years, I didn't know what happened. So like, <laughs> talk about cliffhanger. Yeah. Because like I saw it, I saw it on the sci-fi channel back in 93 when they were doing the Doctor Who okay. uh, reruns then. Yeah. Um, so that was my first introduction to Doctor Who. And really, the TV movie is what made me a Whovian, but like mm-hmm. this, this was the kicker. That's what got me in, in, interested in the first place. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really cool things that are happening here. This is also Sarah's last story. Um, but like the idea of there being a silicone life form, mm-hmm. which is, again, you talk about science fiction, like, seeing what other types of life that could be out there in the universe. And then there's just nice reversals throughout because at, at the beginning of it, um, they find this, well, Sarah finds this hand and that is what we end up finding out um, later is actually a uh, prisoner that's been sent off and uh, well, not even a prisoner. They tried to destroy him entirely eldrad mm-hmm. but uh eldrad must live as, as sarah right. says many times um uh, but the thing is that eldrad in his his planet um had been this mad genius and had done a lot for the planet but then went rogue because they wouldn't accept him as a tyrant mm-hmm. um and so uh eldrad uh was sent into space and they were going to try and destroy him utterly but 
because of what Eldrad did to his world, they were all dying there, freezing to death, and they had to destroy the ship early. And in doing so, his hand survives. And Sarah finds it in a, a rock quarry. And then through a nuclear power plant, Eldrad regenerates. And uh, then the doctor, not knowing Eldrad's history, takes Eldrad back to his home world. And at first, they, they, they're going along with Eldrad. They think he's a good guy or she's a good guy. Because at first, like, takes on the form of a female like Sarah. Because that's who Eldrad had been in contact with. And then we find out who Eldrad really is. Mm. That was so nice. It's almost as if you wrote the story. Uh, <laughs> no, no, this, this one no but a, I really like this story. This one gets a bad rap, I think. I've seen this one dogged a lot, and I'm like, I like it. I follow along with it. It, it cooks <laughs> good, Like, I, and I like the monster designs in it, too. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I do like this one. Did not make my conversation for this but um so my favorite doctor my favorite story from my favorite do you want to guess i i'm i don't know I, i'm gonna get go ahead seeds of doom really yes okay now okay now you need to explain because all right that's not what I expected. All right. Uh, this comes from my favorite season of Classic Doctor Who, season 13. I could have yep. picked like all stories from this. Uh, I did not. Um, but Seeds of Doom, I think, is the best structured six to seven part Doctor Who story uh, out there. Because um, a lot of them struggle to drag, but this script is smart enough to have like kind of a, mi- a secret two-parter that leads into a four-parter that yeah. has a setting that can be utilized in such exploratory ways that it doesn't feel like you're running around in the same place. Wait, uh, I know why you like this. It's got a John Carpenter's thing thing going on. That's why you like this. It has very much John Carpenter's The Thing. It's got stuff like Alien. Um, mm. I really like the con- this plant concept that it comes. So like they find these like eggs that they police together, so there's always two of them. Um, and the doctor is sent, doctor and Sarah get sent to this Antarctic place. Yeah, it's the thing, but the thing doesn't come for a while. Uh, and, uh, it's like this pod opens, it's got invasion of the body. It's all sorts of stuff that comes like popular after this episode. Um, but there's this guy who like protects plants and he's a nutbag about it. He's got an assassin that he sends out and this guy's a goon character. Um, Tom Baker's good with his quips there. Sarah Jane's pretty smart in this one. Uh, uh, not that she isn't always, but there's some good Sarah Jane stuff in here. There's death in it. In it um, and there's like, they go for it big with a giant kaiju-esque plant monster oh, yeah, in the do. end. Um, and the villain's really good. Um, I like, what's his name? God, we're bad with names today, but he's an actor you've seen in a lot of other things. He's been he was in TV a lot. He was in uh, a lot of Michael Caine's '70s movies. I think he's in The Italian Job and Get Carter. Um, just well performed, like just got like a very much uh, your Tobias Vaughn type actor type part. Um, but this one just oh man, this one moves for me. I'm really mm. into the Antarctica stuff, uh, and then like when they get back to the mansion, the mansion's really fun. There's a lot of betrayal going on. There's some weird stuff where the guy just like, like, watch me play the organ right now in my place. (laughs) So it's got some of that camp fun, but I love the season. I love season doom. It's the capper to season 13. Um, But you don't have to see anything leading up to it. Season 12 tries to serialize some of these. It's interesting. Some of these seasons will try serialize stuff that go across the whole season. Season 13 doesn't, which I think season 13 it, it's my favorite. Um, it invents a lot of stuff, and it stands alone by being itself. Like, there's no returning monsters or anything like that. The only thing returning is like unit stuff. But uh, this this season had Terror of the Zygons, also written by the Seeds of Doom guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but every story in this one was like bam, bam. But I even like uh, Android Invasion. I know that's a no, no. I'm I'm there with you. It's not on my list, but I do love the it's Android on my Invasion. List. Um, but I like that. So I know people think they did Benton and 
and in bad, but like they're fake, whatever. It doesn't. Yeah, no, right. But I, I, I love season thirteen. That's like my my favorite uh, one. This and this season 12, 13, 14 era. Good stuff Hin- here. Hinchcliffe, love Hinchcliffe, man. Hinchcliffe, that's my bread and butter. He hits the horror. He hits the hard sci-fi stuff, and it's just. Yep. Baker, I love what he's just so otherworldly to me. Like he really feels like this alien guy um, to me. Just do it like it, it's great. And he's got companions. I like Sarah Jane's wonderful. Um, Harry, so, Harry, Harry uh, Sullivan, Harry Sullivan, uh, like Lila Romana. Like uh, Romana might yeah, be, yeah, is maybe my favorite companion of Tom Baker. Which, though which it's, Romana it's, though? Either. Flip a coin. Okay. I like fair, them both. Fair, fair. I like them both. I like the idea of Romana and what she stands for and how she's just capable. And when she goes on a side quest, it's not to get kidnapped. It's not to be like she's doing stuff she's doing on her, her own. own thing. And she, yeah. She's never asking, like, why are we doing like Romana is very it's very much like it's very much the doctor's show, but it's like only seventy five percent his show when Romana's there. If that makes sense. So um yeah. So what is your number two? Uh, going to be a fan favorite Genesis of the dialects, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yep. For good reason. Yep. yep. I, what, what can you say about this? I mean, as, as you said earlier, this is where the doctors, uh, given the moral conundrum of, should he actually destroy the dialects at, at their origin at literally at their Genesis, um, with Davros creating them here, uh, with the Khalids and the Thals, and we so we're back in time, and we really see what happened as far as the wars that devastated uh, Scaro, and led to what creates the dialects because they it it is so bad that they have resorted to in some cases like um, well they have machine guns and like so th- there's a mixture of like lasers and machine guns and things like that but it's, it's showing that like society is starting to collapse in and on itself because the the war has been going on for that long um and they're also there's the mutants because of the radiation sickness and everything that's happened from their war mm-hmm. um and it's it's just it's really really solid and sarah has to go on her own side quest here um and she gets separated from the doctor and she is forced to actually help as far as with loading a rocket that's going to be shot to try and destroy the other uh side and in doing so she's having to load uh, this radioactive material that is slowly essentially killing her mm-hmm. um so again, it's just there's a lot of moral conflict that's going on here, and as you pointed out, that question that uh, that Tom has to deal with of do I have the right? I mean, that clip alone is like one of the the probably most iconic that people know from the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that confer- like I believe it was uh, Ark in Space got like huge ratings back when it came in this. This solidified when people stayed that they were gonna stay. You know, mm. this uh, that one. It's not my top three this time. No, it's, really, it's there. I mean, I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like in the conversation. Like, I can't. Like, I hate dro- dropping these to like three, but that's the fun of this, right? Because um, the next time around, I'll be like, oh yeah, Genesis of the Daleks, right? Because. <laughs> Um, so I have, um, and here comes my monster kid stuff. Brain of Morbius. I had a number two here because it is Frankenstein. Yeah. And it is witches. Yeah. And it is sisterhood of Karn, right? Yep. And if you, if you know me, you know what I like to do? Yeah. I like to mess with mythology and canon and I love what it (laughs) surprises with here. Um, the moment when Morbius and the doctor are interlinked. And they're going through the past iterations, and it goes down to Hartlow and keeps oh, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love mess like because what a shock! Like, oh, okay, yeah, more. And, and just for people who complain about nowadays when things do that, like, look, they were doing that back then. Old Terry Dix. I know it's Robin Bland <laughs> that wrote this one, <laughs> but that is Terrence Dix and Bob Holmes. 
And they're coming up with this idea. They're wanting to screw with things. Like, why not? Like, I love shaking it up. And this immediately got never referenced again until the timeless child. But um, just an idea. But I like the Frankenstein's monster story, how it's incorporated in a science fiction way. The idea, there's this mythology that there's this other time lord that he tried to pull a Napoleon or something, kind yeah. of. Um there's a sisterhood of Karn keeping alive life in this flame, and the doctor kind of comes over there like an atheist to them almost. Like, he's like, that flame? All you gotta do is, like, because they've been believing in this flame for so long, but they actually do have telepathic powers and stuff and transport. Um, this is one of many, I think in a row here, uh, or a good number where, like, Sarah, Jane, she goes blind in this one, mm-hmm. and then she's under control in Mask of Mandragora, and then oh, she goes under control in Hand of Fear. So, like, in three out of four stories for her, something will happen like that. But um, I like the sets, the setting in this one, uh, the storm on the planet, and um, the doctor thinking there's, like, a purpose for him to be there, and Morbius thinking there's a purpose for him to be there, to brain in a jar, just classic kind of uh, borderline a camp, probably camp to some people, but... I think it skirts the line perfectly. Um, but yeah, I, I like Brain of Morbius. I, this is one I went back to, and I was like, I, w- I wasn't going to have it. And then I was like, watched it. I was like, yeah, I probably maybe should. I'm high on it right now. <laughs> so I put it as my number two. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And then my number three, which will probably be a Are we not ball, even going to match any of these? This is going to be crazy. Is uh, Douglas Adams, but not the one most people are going to think of. Shada, oh. my friend. Oh, Shada that was that was in three. my not my number three, but that was this story is awesome, and I, I yes, yeah, no, and this is another one where it's interesting because of the strike that happened it, for years and years was never completed, and then because of the animation, we finally got a full, mm-hmm. re, fully realized story. Um, but like I just I like the ideas that are here. We have another Time Lord again um, that's outside of the system and has been living on his own. And we find out that there's a lot more to like some of the ideas that he had had prior to him retiring. Um, and there's this whole prison that he was supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctor, uh, has this alien that is actually searching the universe to try and find this time Lord to steal his mind. And so, uh, this alien goes to Skagra, right? Mm-hmm. Goes to the, uh, prison ship, uh, for Shada. And actually steals all the minds of all the prisoners there. And then from there, he's searching the universe for, um, for, I can't even, uh, Pref- Professor Cronotus, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and again, sorry, like, and see, you're, you're going to see, cause I, I dig this story. I ended up bringing, uh, Chris Parsons back actually, and a story that I wrote with Sarah Jane. Uh, ah, for, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but gotcha. no, this this is this is up there for me. Yep, absolutely. I, I love Doug. I love Douglas Adams. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, uh, no, no arguments here on Shada. That's a. I'm glad we can watch it episodic. That's my best. Agreed. Yeah, uh, because that movie length thing was long. To sit down. Watch. Um, for some reason, I could sit watch it all six episodes in a row like that because I have breaks, I guess. But just there's a there's a thing with like it was intended for television, so the pacing doesn't equal movie over pacing. two hour movie length. Right. So it's hard. But when you do episodic and you see it, I don't know. It's a mental game with me, I guess. So my third one mm-hmm. is Robots of Death because oh. now. Now, this is one. So, there's this guy named Chris Boucher who came into Doctor Who, wrote three bangers, and then dropped the mic and walked off to Blake Seven. But um, he he did Face of Evil, which that one I have like gotten really like high on I in like the last few years. I think it's like 
really, really good. It's it's very um, Zardoz, um, very like I like that, but I like that. Um, and then he wrote Image of Fendal for the next season. Um, so he just came in, boom, boom, out. Uh, <laughs> so Robots of Death is a perfect one, like I talked about, where we had Tomb of the Cybermen, where you could just. I don't care if you might not even enjoy Doctor Who, but you'll like this story. It's a murder mystery um, mm. set on a crawler thing that's very, it's inspired by Dune. Uh, and it's got great sets, great costume design. The robots are cool. It's like a unique take on a robot look, and they're creepy. Um, it's the Doctor and Leela's first adventure out together um, after picking her up uh, in Face of Evil. And. This has good twists, good turns. You think you know what's going on. Uh, it's got a great cast. It's got Pamela Salem, uh, who is wonderful. And uh, she would be Money Penny in uh, Never Say Never Again, uh, James Bond. And she showed up in Blake 7 around this time, or a couple years later, too. Uh, but this one just worked. Like, this is a perfect, like, encapsulation of, like, here's, here's a story. And it's one of the things I like, too. Um, I always like about Doctor Who... Because I feel like he's the best at interrupting another science fiction movie going on. You know, like this happens without him, certain right. things. But like the thing I love about Doctor Who is he like interrupts like a television show that was already happening or a movie that was already happening. And he's just here like, okay, well, where am I going to? Okay, okay. Well, like, because you can kind of, this is one of those stories where you can kind of see the story without the Doctor even. But it's fun to add the Doctor to the mix with that. So that's one of the things that Doctor Who can do. Um, but it's also got a very Isaac Asimov take as far mm-hmm. as with the robots too. Yeah, and I like the and model work that are there. Yeah, the model works really mm-hmm. good on this too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's this one's so cool, and this one works, and it's such a limited space. But they make it work, and they make it fun for all four episodes. And this is yeah, like I said, pluck down in. See if you like Doctor Who. Oh, that was cool. Well, now you can go on and do this one. So I really and I always have really liked Robots of Death. It's um been one of my favorites, a, but this yeah. It's another fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a fan favorite. Um there's so many like I struggled with here with Tom Baker because I would want to mention all <laughs> most everything. <laughs> uh but Doctor Who magazine says City of Death is number one, which you know what? That's great. Douglas Lord, Adams. Here. Yeah. Um so yeah. But uh yeah, so this list is not a fake though. So uh <laughs> number two, Genesis of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robots of Death showed up number four. Uh-huh. Se- Seeds of Doom showed up number six. Uh, the Brain of Mor- Morbius was number 11. And Hand of Fear was 19. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Which, uh, that 19 out of 41, so halfway, a little above the halfway point. Underworld was the least liked story. Where'd Shada show up? And Shada, did they ca- I don't think they counted it. Ah, uh, well, that's I'd- fair. That's fair. Yeah, they did not count it um, at all. So, yeah, it doesn't look like, yeah. So, they, they yeah, there we go. Um, one I like, it's really low. Uh, I, I'm big on Full Circle. That was number 25. I'm like, that should be higher. I like the East Space <laughs> trilogy, though. East Space no, like, is, so, yeah, I'm there. Season, season 18 from East Space to the end. Oof, good stuff. Good mm-hmm. stuff. So, now, we're going to get younger here as we move on to younger hipper peter davison the fifth doctor era when did you last have the pleasure of smelling a flower watching a sunset eating a well-prepared meal these things are irrelevant for some people small beautiful events is what life is all about great in the 80s there we go this was kind of easy for me peter davison was it easy for you yeah Uh, okay Let's let's start. My number one, Caves of Androzani. I'm sure that appeared in your list. No, no, it does not. But Ooh. it was it was that was number four for me. Okay, yeah, this is one of the greatest regeneration stories of all time. Um, Shara's Jack is one of the coolest designed villains. He's very Phantom of the Opera esque. Uh, you get him in one way, then you get to see his face. Um, it's the doctor. It's the Fifth Doctor and Perry. This is like. She was introduced in the uh, story before, and then 
she comes in this one and her and Davison have some pretty good chemistry. Um, yeah. For the story. Um, there's this battle uh, going on and there's like people playing different sides. The lighting's really good. And like the, the, the crazy thing is the production design in this is phenomenal. Some of the best Doctor Who. And then it goes to the twin dilemma the next week. Like what? This is the same television show. And it's just production wise is what happens. But the doctor's his heroics to save the day at the end. Um, with his, he's got a haunting regeneration akin to the second doctor, uh, mm. where he's struggling, things don't seem nice, and it ends with the master like a vision of the master being like, Die, doctor, die. Yeah, and then Colin Baker popping up and not being like, Ha ha, I'm the doctor now. He's like, You're like, Wait, who's this guy? Like, why do you say that? Why did you know, like, he didn't have Very a scary. look of, of like wonder in his face. Um, but this one, yeah, it's got uh, the guy, or no. Was it in this one too? I can't remember. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff going on, which makes intricate interplays while you have a limited space. Um, good monsters. Um, and they keep making, like, you knew. So I wasn't watching this when it aired, but I imagine if you were watching it aired, you knew Peter Davison was going, and they have every cliffhanger, like, is this where he dies? Is this where he dies? Mm-hmm. Like, so. Um, I thought that was pretty. That's pretty good about this one. Um, and then you the finally self. get a, the the celery makes sense. Uh, the where it turns purple. Um, but yeah, I, this is uh, this is this is a great story. I I like this one a lot. The self sacrifice that he does mm-hmm. there at the end is is really cool. Which makes sense because he's the heroic doctor. He's the doctor. Yeah. He's the he's the first place in a, a person to play him as like a hero. Like he's not as goofy and weird as the three before or like serious like super serious to the like you know he's he's very much a like a knight as a doctor or something like that agreed agreed so what is your first then my first for the fifth doctor is earth shock man it's my number two (laughs) this story rocks you know, we have Adric that's held over from the fourth doctor and it does, it does. We get the Cyberman back. We we're all on a ship and it gets under siege by the Cyberman. And then there's the whole thing as far as it ties in also with um, the extinction of the dinosaurs. Yeah. With, with Adric's death. So Yeah. Um, again, good uh, and, production design here too. Like it, it looks like a lot of times lights are a problem in Doctor Who being too bright, but this one gets it perfect. Yeah, it's very moody, and this is another one where um, they did something different with the end credits as far as because of oh, yeah. passing. So, not to give too much spoiler, uh, but like it, it's again, it's a rock solid story, and this is like. We talked about Sarah Kingdom earlier as far as a companion passing. This is where you get the first true, true companion that was a long time on the show mm-hmm. that passes um, on on the actual series. Um, so it had a, a huge impact. And that's that's why, for me, this was, was the number one for the Fifth Doctor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is a I'm very high on this one as well. Might be my favorite Cyberman story. Like it's just that good. The you know the surprise of them, the yeah. way it's played out, um, just how ruthless they are, and yeah, I like the eighty Cyberman design. That might be my favorite Cyberman design. Is the eighty Cyberman, um, especially like Urshock here, but also just the suspense as far as how like you you're saying that as mm-hmm. far as them menacing like. They just kept closing in and closing in until they were locked in on the bridge and they had no way out. And it, it, was, yeah. it was just really cool. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Um, what's your next one? Uh, next one for five is Planet of Fire. Oh, okay. Hello, yeah, Perry. So, I, yeah. yeah. Per- Hello, Perry. And <laughs> also a good master story. And I love what goes on as far as with Thurlow and we oh, have, yeah, the con- yeah, yeah. yeah we have the conclusion with Thurlow as far as um, what's happening with him. And there's even, and Chameleon. You know, thank you. And I, I wanted to actually verify that with you because like, I didn't get a chance to rewatch this, mm-hmm. uh, but 
Yeah, and Chameleon was an interesting idea that JNT put out there. And like I really it was kind of like the whole thing with K9, but like I liked I liked Chameleon. I liked mm-hmm. what they were trying to do with this um as an idea as far as a a robot that could be influenced by somebody else's will and then uh because of that chameleon ends up uh betraying the doctor a couple times and this is one of those instances where he's taken over by the master and it's also interesting because there's the question that the doctor puts to turlo as far as that you know he really is like upset with Turlo and thinks that he has betrayed him. And so there's that whole dynamic that's happening as far as, and Turlo always had an interesting relationship with the doctor all along mm-hmm. with the black guardian. So right. this is just another, another way that they deal with that in the story. And it's just a good send off for him as far as that goes. Right. Yep. I agree. Um, yeah, Planet Fire is a, a fun story. Uh, actually, they made a movie edition cut that actually they added some <laughs> stuff to it because they felt it was big enough uh, to lend itself to that um, whole ordeal. And this one actually, like Planet Fire, we think like Doctor Who with a unique setting. Like this yeah. one actually works for that. It feels like different than a majority of the stories uh, told in Doctor Who. Uh, so you went with uh, Turlo's. And I have Turlo's beginning as my number three with Modern Undead, which Brilliant. had I not watched it recently, I don't know. So I'm pretty sure, like you said, with Hand of Fear, I'm I can't recall, but I'm pretty sure Modern Undead's the first Doctor Who, uh, an episode of it would have been the first I saw on PBS when I was a kid in the '90s, because just I remember open grass field, like two women companion. And like I just I'm pretty sure it was modern undead. Pretty sure. Can't can't confirm. Uh but I like this story. Um it's got one of those awesome concepts uh narratively where we think we're doing things and we find out people are in different times mm-hmm. with stuff, which is really neat. Uh Turlo is an interesting concept of the Black Guardian showing up and being like, kill the doctor, because or you're gonna die. Uh one of the two. You know, and so Tur- Turlo is set to be this uh, intruder on the TARDIS that's unknowing. So there's a the concept of getting through the mission, but also this guy's trying to kill the doctor. Yeah. Um, and uh, this one had like what the, is this the one with the best Nissa outfit that she ever wore where they got her costume? Like it's not the poofy thing. It's not the right. strawberry shortcake, but blue thing. It's the. Man, I like the a, poofy thing. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, uh, this one and it's got the concept of Madrin, uh, Madrin, and then um, yeah. these people trying to steal the regenerations from the Doctor, uh, wanting them. Just really cool. Davison's great in this one. I, I really liked his performance in it. Um, but this one actually works. Brigadier's back. The Brigadier. Yes. yes. Um, and they do some interesting stuff with him, and I like the concept. The the way they work the two parallel times and the writing's just clever in this one. Um, for me i like that it it knocked off kinda which would have been number three because i'm a big kinda fan um but it knocked off kinda at number three because i recently revisited this and i was like you know what i think modern is going to be number three for me so <laughs> um what is number three for you uh number three i told you there was a multi-doctor story the five doctors my of friends of course i i i couldn't i couldn't help it like i and that's it's again you get a lot of fun with the time lords on gallifrey um and even what goes on with barusa uh barusa and everything as far as as the president and mm-hmm. what he's trying to do and you not knowing at first that he's actually the dastardly villain of, of the story. And there's, there's a cool little red herring with the master there too, that they play around with. And then like the whole concept of the death zone and the games that used to go on in the dark times with the time Lords is really interesting. And then you get, all the classic doctors back. Um, well, obviously we, we didn't have, uh, Bill Hartnell here and you had Richard Hartnell in his place, but like they did a really good job as far as bringing him in as a replacement. And he right. did a, a great job as the first doctor. We still had Susan here. 
Um, you had Jamie and Zoe make a cameo. Sarah has a big integral part with the third doctor. Um, um Liz Shaw and uh 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 Oh you're right. Um what's his name? Make a Mike Yates, right? Yates, yeah. Yeah, it was Yates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Also, and there's that wonderful little bit with the master and the first doctor of it's as easy as pie when they mm-hmm. get into. Yep. 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 Yeah. Herndel, he like looks good. He's a little too tall, but he mm. works and he looks like he doesn't look like he's trying to be Bill Hartnell. He's looked like he's trying to be the part and he's right. enjoying himself clearly. Um, very but. much in a similar fashion that David Bradley is now playing the role. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, five dollars. Yeah, this is so much fun. Um, and it's just—it's funny to see the pairings because you know they're not the fir- like Tom Baker not being a part of this changes everything. Because uh, you get Sarah Jane with the third Doctor, you get the Brigadier with the second Doctor. Like who? Who got the short end of the stick because Tom Baker decides not to come? Like, oh, if Tom Baker was in this, I have a bigger part. <laughs> Probably Jamie. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's just yep. It's interesting how they how they do that. Um, but it's also see fun to see. Like you know, they they decide if they're gonna pair. Uh, they're gonna pair the first Doctor and the fifth Doctor together the most in this. So you get Susan and. And Tegan and Turlo and the first, like that was the smart move because it's like well it's not the actual guy so if there's not if the, if the, the ego has to come in it, it could be Davison to take over because Davison said they didn't all get together in the end because the production crew was fearing all the egos in one room of all the doctors so interesting um, interesting but they've got they got some they got they they weave in the third doctor has his Cyberman story in this one. He yeah. sees them at least. Yeah. You know, he sees them from afar, so it counts more so than <laughs> Carnival of Monsters when it has a little cameo. It's um, not even a. It's not even a, from afar, Brandon, because when they get to the 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 what is it the the Guardian mm-hmm. where he's throwing the weapons. He's yeah yeah. They're right there, Sarah. And, oh, and, that's right. They, yeah yeah. They do get surrounded. Yeah. Yep yep yeah. So the Cybermen are killed by that. I can't even remember what that thing's called, mm-hmm. but. But you get what I'm saying. The second doctor still remains the only one to be around the Yeti. Yep. So he gets to keep that to himself, uh, as well as the Brigadier. But yeah, no, this is this is just a mishmash, a lot of fun. This could have been a disaster, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think the three doctors is fun as well. So I think this is a stronger story. Honestly. Oh, this is way yeah. stronger than the three doctors. But like, yeah, I, I like. Three Doctors is fun, but this is this is nailed it. Like they needed every, like they would like would happen later with Day of the Doctor. There's a lot riding here, and they managed to pull it off. Yeah, somehow, some way. So cool. The the five the five Doctors. Good <laughs> to have it here. So Doctor Who magazine says that we are mainly right because the Caves of Andersani finishes first, Earthshock second, third is the Five Doctors. Um, Modern Undead finished eighth, um, and though Kinda was number four. Wow, Kinda was high. Oh, Kinda is high. Yeah. Wow, that's normally I see. That's a that's a a play of fire was fourteen. Um, Kinda, I normally see that as a love it or hate it one with people, but fair enough. <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna get a bit more flashy. A little bit more boisterous with Doctor Number Six, Colin Baker. But look at it this way: planets come and go, stars perish, matter disperses, coalesces, reforms into other patterns, other worlds. Nothing can be eternal. Let's dive in to the this. I'm going to let you devices. kick it off, sir. Because I know that 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 you you are a big Colin Baker fan here. I do like I kind of came around like I started out like ah this guy, but like I I really enjoy his first season, season twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I like I like him and Perry. Um, I don't mind uh, Perry, the trial. Yeah. yeah, Perry's one of my my faves, and more than just the looks, more than just the <laughs> looks. 
I like the botany aspect and it comes into yeah. play with a lot. And I like her. I, I enjoy when the doctor says crap and her eye rolls and then her giving it back to him sometimes too. It feels like there's a built relationship that when you go from season 22 and you start at the mysterious planet, there's an earned like, okay, we've been through this together. That feels really good there. My, my first one, Colin Baker, is Vengeance on Varos. This is one of my favorite Doctor Who stories. I think it's like a great social commentary. It's your number three? My number yeah. three. Great. It's a dark story, but a lot of season 22 is just trying to push it to new boundaries where I feel like at this point, they're with the show. They're like, all right, our audience has kind of grown up, right? So yeah. we're going to try putting it there. And yeah, this one talks about reality, like reality television kind of. And this is in that like 85, 84. And they're talking about this stuff. Uh, There's a lot of like who controls things. Just get Sill, who's a wicked villain. Just But that's good that you feel that way with that. Um, And yeah. Literally a slug. Sean Sean Connery's son is here. Uh, But yeah, this is is cool. These people vote. uh, Their person in power, they vote and he has to like withstand like devastate like it was an electrical current or something like that um and yeah there's a lot of like politics being played like behind closed doors things betrayals this is a good uh you know they talk about doctor who just running through corridors these are awesome corridors they go through uh the doctor accidentally kills a man in this Uh, but I I think this is an awesome story. I I really I really enjoy Vengeance of Eros quite a bit. So that's my number one. Uh, so that was your number three. What's your number one? Well, I was going to say that one of the things I re- I agree with you. The social commentary in Vengeance on Eros, like not just what you talked about as far as reality TV, mm-hmm. the whole idea of the prison system mm. and like. We, I mean, you you said this earlier, but I want to make sure we say it again. JNT was really pushing things at the time and making comments about what was going on, and I love that he was doing that. It's it's kind of like very much a Rod Serling thing as far as making sure that yeah. he's commenting on what's happening in the world. And so personally, I think that's also why this story holds up really well, right? Um, and so like even just the ideas as far as the tortures and everything, even the doctor gets tortured where you're talking about one of those halls. He literally is going through this hall and they have it where like, it's a mind game and he thinks he's going through a desert. Yes. And so there's images of a desert around him. And he like, to the point where he's like feeling like he's dying from dehydration and it's Mm -hmm. just intense. Yeah. It's it's a great little story. So I I agree with you there. And there's also some, there's like some uh, genetic stuff that they do with like Perry, like chesting and. Oh, right. Right. Where she almost turns into a bird, right? Bird. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah, So there's some interesting stuff with that as well. Like there's a lot of ideas here and yeah, John Nathan Turner, like he gets a lot of crap, but like he was trying to, push boundaries he was trying to he was changing things up and you know some people at the and a lot of things at the time was not popular so anything like i'm saying like this this colin baker hero but i i will argue while people look at hindsight with it in a different way his ratings for this season were up to par they weren't going above but they were up to par with peter davison's final season's ratings so he managed to hold a float. It's not until they cancel the show hiatus and then it doesn't come back for a while and you already as a public know the BBC doesn't have confidence in it that it comes back with poor ratings. Had they followed up quickly like they or business as usual, yeah. I don't know what the next season holds, but it wasn't immediate here that people revolted on or anything, but I, I do know, I understand it was at the time, but I think reflection and a lot of people talk, I, we were just at Doctoberfest and someone mm. was talking about like, I was told it wasn't good, but I was like watching, I'm like, I'm kind of enjoying this. I'm like, yeah, cause it's yeah, really, we were past the point of impact, you know? So. And sorry, I'm going to go a little slight tangent, but like the other thing is since then the stories that were slated to actually be produced Mm -hmm. have actually then now been produced as audio stories. And one of the ones that I absolutely adore is a nightmare affair. Yep. 
where they bring back the celestial toy maker and we're going to have toy maker back here coming up right with neil patrick harris but like i i so wish we would have been able to see that one because like they 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 did it where it was set in a, a video arcade and again mm-hmm. just using modern like things that were happening yep. in the world and commenting on video games and everything and how that was being pervasive it reminds me of the never say never again scene where james bond and largo are playing that video game uh it kind of reminds me of, and also in that season, uh, the Ice Warriors were coming back as well. Yep, yep. Because they decided with Colin Baker, they wanted to launch him uh, like Tom Baker, where his first season would have a lot of monsters that you remembered. Because Tom Baker's first season had Centaurans, Daleks, and Cybermen. Right. And Colin Baker has Centaurans, Daleks, Cybermen, and the Master. So that's what they did. So okay. So what, uh, did we go with your... No, not, no, not okay, yet. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, as All I right. said, tangent there. Yes. Uh, my number one is Mark of the Rani. That because... is my number two. That is my number two. <laughs> I have, I, this story has gone up for me over the years with it. It's, it's really good. No, the, I, again, this is another one with a rogue time Lord. Uh, but the, I, the thing that I like about the Ronnie that is completely different from the master or any other time Lord that we've seen that is a renegade is she's purely scientific. It has yeah. nothing to do with the doctor, or the master. And it's only because the doctor is getting in her way that she actually then starts to pay attention <coughs> to them. Um, so well, there's a great line in this one where she turns someone into a tree and be like, why are you mad? They're going to live longer than a human because it's yeah. to her. It's like, Oh, you want a longer, they're going to live longer like that. But yeah. Hey. Yeah, no. It, and, um, yeah, it, you also like what you just said, as far as the tree, it's also her continuing to deal with like genetics and what she keeps on doing with experiments there is always interesting and here it's also it's it's got a historical element so that's again you know i like history Mm -hmm. um so like you you've got all these great minds where they're supposed to be coming in together and like again if she had destroyed all of them it would have just devastated what we know as far as history today and we wouldn't probably have evolved as a society as we have uh, without these great minds coming together. So it's it was just a really interesting story that I very much enjoyed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I will sing it. Spray. I think uh, we only got it a couple times, a pair of times, but Pip and Jane Baker, probably them plus Colin Baker was the best dialogue to doctor stuff that they had for the era. Like they were the perfect people to write Colin Baker doctor dialogue like absolutely um and I like the the Ronnie's plan of bringing brilliant minds together to wipe them yeah. out uh yeah. the dinosaur thing like this is the best Ronnie story in live action that we've had yeah uh and I just the setting works uh costuming for the doctor and Perry just you know changing into period outfits and yeah I, I really like this one I it's grown uh for me in that steam uh, a lot because it started out like, eh. and then the more I watch it, I'm like, okay, this one really holds up good. This has got good dialogue, good plot, good, good science. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so my number three, uh, is <laughs> I get to have my nerd cake and eat it too. It's attack of the Cybermen, <laughs> which is full, full of a- a- Easter eggs for Dr. Who based off a story. A lot of follows the story that didn't exist at the time. Tomb of the Cybermen was missing when this was written and expecting people to know stuff. Um, got, it starts where Doctor Who began, but I like even the weird ice monster things, whatever, yeah. the women, I think they're cool. I, <laughs> I, I They're creepy, weird. Uh, I like where we go here. Um, I like just everything everything's where it's a dark story it's a brutal end for the guy from resurrection of the daleks i can't remember his name um and just wandering around. i feel like this one has a lot of free space you know they're out in the street searching they're in the sewers there's that uh the slavery area of the planet where those two guys are turning into cybermen there's the 
the cooler the the place where the crystal ladies are there's some sort of like corridor there's a, a bridge of like a cyberman ship there's like a lot of just a lot of places they're going around not just like single locales this one feels free on like a lot of doctor who stuff uh of this era of a lot of eras but i just yeah i i'm big i'm big on attack of the cybermen um but yeah all mine all three of mine come from season 22 mysterious planet was very close but uh what was your I cheated. I'm I'm freely gonna admit I cheated. Uh-oh. You went the whole trial of the time. Lord. I did. I did ah! because hey, I'm like War Games is ten episodes. Trial of the Time Lord is fourteen. So I mean, seriously, it is one complete story, especially with the Valyard. So like, I'm sorry for me, and like, it's always been released as a box set. So I'm like, okay, no Trial of the Time Lord. All right, and I absolutely also like. The Valyard, my friend, like that hmm. idea of, of the I'm doctor. I'm surprised they've never resurrected it. Again, in audio, yes, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having the Valyard where it's it's a rogue version of the doctor later in his life, his last regeneration, well, at that time, um, that has come back to steal his earlier regenerations uh, mm-hmm. from his past self. It's It's just... It's just a fun little bit yeah. of adventuring. Yep, absolutely. And I like, I mean, I, I think The Ultimate Foe is such a cool story because that The Ultimate Foe is Colin Baker's mind robber, Inferno, you know, one of those trippy ones. Because when they yep. get in that, all that stuff is just weird. When he comes up from the, the mud, like everything just is kind of off-putting. Uh, when they go to that town with the carnival and the just uh, the shoemaker guy that the Valyards disguised as, um, it's all really weird, unsettling, and I love that stuff about it. And that's Pip and Jane. But well, it's Bob Holmes for the first half and Pip and Jane Baker for the second half. And there's that whole trick where they make uh, Mel think the Doctor's really on trial or something like that. Yeah, that's cool stuff. That's cool stuff. I I I I enjoy. I have come to enjoy both Colin Baker seasons for their various things um and i was just talking to somebody about like i i like that try the time lord box that they put out for the blu-ray because yeah. of all the doctor who blu-ray sets they put out that one totally encapsulates an attitude and a vibe of when that came out and how it was between the bonus features the interviews um and like the talk show stuff that they show on that one it just oh, feels right it, it feels right. like you really feel of that era and what was going on there so and how Doctor Who fit. So that's that's why I really like that one, that box set. So the Doctor Who magazine disagrees with us. They say Revelation of the Daleks is the best one. Of course um, they do. <laughs> they have Venge- Vengeance on Varos at number two. Okay, they have, so we're they, good. They, they are a Russell McGee uh, friendly. They put Trial of the Time Lord as itself as number four. Uh, five, Mark of the Ronnie. Six, Attack of the Cybermen. Uh, so what, what we what we're not mentioning here is two doctors at number three, which I think is very high for that one. And I agree. Seven time lash and eight twin dilemma. Yeah, no, I agree with you on the two doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fun to see Pat back, but like that story. Is and I love Santarans, but that is not a good Santaran story. No, no, and they, again, it's one of those ones where hey, we're going to Spain, so they got to go on location and have fun. But like, I don't think it really holds up as a story. Nope. All right. Oh, now time for <laughs> Colin Baker to be replaced without a regeneration. Uh, without a regeneration. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, the seventh doctor. But there are three rules. One, I'm in charge. Whatever you say, Professor. Two, I'm not the Professor, I'm the Doctor. Whatever you want. And the third? Well, I'll think up the third by the time we get back to Perryvale. A new era begins. So, all right. And this will go for three seasons. So, here we are. The final uh, Doctor of the classic era... Um, that we're going to talk about because I know the eighth doctor has been swept in with the first seven. Yep. Typically nowadays. So uh, number one for you, Russell on doctor. Number number one, sir, is silver nemesis. The 25th anniversary episode or episodes. And that to me, the seventh doctor and everything that Andrew Cartmel did here is really interesting 
because he he worked really hard to build up this air of a mystery about the doctor mm-hmm. uh back trying to tie it back to almost the way Hartnell was so like there's a lot here with silver nemesis with him having sent off the nemesis device um and trying to prevent that from being a bigger problem and then we get the cybermen back again and also I'm just going to point this out because, like, I noticed it as as I made my list. I have a lot of Cybermen stories. Yeah, that's what we list. have talked to Cybermen a lot. And yeah. I'm like, do you like, do you prefer Cybermen or Daleks? Which is the. I think I actually prefer Cybermen over I, Daleks. I'm a, Cyber, I'm a Cyberman person myself, too. Yeah. And, like, it's not that I I dislike the Daleks. Yeah. I love Nick Briggs. Nick, Nick, if you hear this, it's not, not, a, not Nick, a harsh on you. Nick, if you are listening you. to this, thank you. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> yeah, not harshing on you in any way, Nick. Yep. Like, love the Daleks. But, like, I I think what it is for me is that the, the Cybermen are a corruption of us human yeah. beings and the fact that it's it's almost that whole zombie thing yeah. of like it's what could go absolutely wrong and mm-hmm. like the worst case possible as far as if science went wrong and that's 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 unnerving that's terrifying and that that there's still that human element to the cybermen and that's what makes me like more unnerved by them than anything else mm-hmm Right. Um, so Silver Nemesis, and it it also has some great moments for Ace in here. Um, she is on on par, and both Sophie and Sylvester have a lot to do throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, this was the 25th anniversary, so yep. it's just a solid story. Yeah, my number one is Curse of Fenric. This is uh... that is my three. So this is a this is a hell of a story here. Um, yeah, including like vampire like things that, like I said, mentioned earlier, something would lead into like this. They have explanations for why you know Dracula and stuff through this story. Um, this is a lot of cool, like creepy, creepy, you know, BBC public access looking stuff from the eighties, like uh, with the women with the long nails, the two oh, friend, yeah. friends of Ace. Um, the story dives into a, a place where uh, there's a there's an enemy from the doctor's past. Dives. Yeah. Sorry, I, I you, you went there. I went there. So there's a thing with the doctor's past from like that has come back to finish a game of chess or whatever with them, uh, and it could destroy the world. Uh, there's aces back like secretly in here too. Where, love, love uh, aces backstory. Backstory, which they they were built this season. Twenty six is. All like there's stuff in season twenty five, but twenty six really yeah. hits home with with Ace. And then the what? Who is this doctor? So because because in a previous story he was he's Merlin uh, potentially yeah. uh, with things. And yeah, this one just hits the creep zone right. Uh, there's a story about you know military like uh, decoding and stuff, and then like setups for like a Russian. They were gonna kill these Russian soldiers. Basically, by leading him into where they thought a decoding machine was. There's a guy doing an archaeological thing under a church. Yep. There's, a, there's a crisis of faith with a, a pre. There is like a lot of just rich thematic stuff. If there's one thing about the Seventh Doctor that always gets said, it's that his stories are overloaded and there's not enough time to explore everything that Cartman wants in every story. <laughs> there's like, there's a lot going on, but he's making it a richer show and he's he is running. So the new series could walk. That's basically what he's doing. Ace is going through stuff, and then without Ace, we don't have Rose. Like that's pretty much right. what we have there. Um, and then this, making the Doctor a mystery again. That, I always think that's part of the thing that gets overlooked. Is like he should be somewhat of a mystery, um, right? With things, um, and just adding more to it rather than. Okay, here's our heroes. They're gonna save the day, and we give all the depth to the guest stars for the serial. They're like, no, who are these people? We keep going with. Let's give them stuff. Let's give Ace more than just like, oh, well, I'll hit the buttons, or what's this, or why were they? You know, they're giving or them- just screaming. Yeah, we're I- just screaming or being kidnapped, and you. I mean, 
some of them we love seeing do that way. Some of them can do it like Sarah Jane, where yeah. she's able to put equal. Romana just on paper is able like to be competent, but there's a lot of them that, you know, some if they don't have an edge, then what? Like Leela has an edge because she's a fighter. She can do the brute work that the doctor we don't expect out of the doctor. Um, she's got some of them are cleverly written, but some of them just like I Victoria like. I like Deborah Watling and all that stuff, but yeah, yeah but I'm, you know, and back to your point about Rose, like mm-hmm. without Ace and that moment where, and it's not even on my list, but that moment with Sophie beating up the dialect with a bat that surprised audiences at the time that showed mm-hmm. that she was a capable character, mm-hmm. not just somebody that was going to go and scream. Right. And and it brought something else to the show that had not been there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is my number two, Remembrance of the Daleks. <laughs> well, it's so, like we transitioned right into that. Featuring Jeffrey, the butler from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as a bartender in this one. Uh, this is a cool story. More more background the doctor, more devious doctor plot here where he makes a decision like, oh, crap. Uh, Davros, it's a, the conclusion of the trilogy that starts with, I believe, Destiny of the Daleks, right? Or it's mm-hmm. more than that. It's a four-part thing. Um, it's like each doc. So once, you know, from season seven to each doctor got one story to keep pulling this along. Um, it's got a lot of the doctor who's history in it. Like it's season 25. They're like, we are capitalizing on an anniversary here. Um, they go to the end of the lane. They go literally. So back. Yeah. Back there. Uh, the Daleks show they can go upstairs. They they fight that age old question of, Oh, you can't even go up the stairs with them. And that freaked people out back then. Uh, Ace with the bat. This was Ace's yeah. first story as a full fledged companion, um, and yeah, this kicked off rock solid. Season twenty five and season twenty six were huge bounce backs. I, I feel and that just it was like, but they were both like I think there were there were some solid ratings for this season because there was anniversary year interest, but this was like probably the too much too late or too little you know too much too late or something like that with Doctor Who because it felt like it was really rejuvenating in a way it hadn't and was going into a place that hadn't before, but like, and it was done. People were done with it. So what is your number two? My number two, my friend is a weird one, but this is where I I, I like uh, the seventh doctor in particular, the greatest show in the galaxy. It's a fun one. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's, it's all over the place. Um, (sighs) The stuff with the, 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 um, circus as actually more than a circus mm-hmm. and they're being literally like, kind of like Fenric. There's a whole thing of pawns and the, the doctor having to perform for the aliens here, the age old aliens that we don't really ever get a like full story of um, and the history that is there between the doctor and them. And then there's a werewolf and I love werewolves. So right. like we've got a werewolf, man. So I, I again it's just another thing about this show that I'm like, yep, okay. I love this story. Mm-hmm. Um and more recently that character's actually come back in audio and they've fleshed oh, that okay. out, done some more stuff with her. So again, another plug for big finish, but hey, I work there, so what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the their new catchphrase. No, I work there. What can I say? No, no, no. I, I you know, I love, I love mm-hmm. Big Finish. I love the work that we do. I love that. At this point, uh, we actually have doubled the amount of stories as uh, the actual right, TV right. show, which is kind of ridiculous since Big Finish has only been around for twenty seven years. So. It's amazing how much content that they've actually produced. Very true. Very true. So, um, greatest show. Greatest show. Here's the one where I was just like, screw it. Oh. I think about this one all the time. Talk about it. And I, at Oktoberfest, I felt comforted enough to put Ghost Light as my number three. Because Ghost Light's high up there for me, man. I like this one. It is, yep. like I said, if you listen to me when I said Mind Robber, you shouldn't be surprised when I say I enjoy Ghost Light because... 
while I agree this one crammed a lot, but now we have a work print edition that lets this one breathe a bit more. Um, and I like that this is this is the best use of BBC sets, <laughs> like in Doctor Who, because they're right at home. There's a lot yeah. of weird, like trying to figure out what's going on here. Uh, things, some cool metaphysical alien stuff, more Ace backstory. They're back in the place she burned before she, you know, le- like left and got in trouble. Um, it is a, it is a fun little weird kind of whodunit, kind of haunted house. Kinda, you know, it, it's got a lot, it's got a vibe to it that I am totally digging. Uh, and it's got that kind of like clue yeah. type feel to it at times. And, uh, yeah. And there's a, the weird room in the basement type thing. And I, I dig this one quite a bit. And I'm not ashamed to say so, even <laughs> though I've seen it given me- shit. I've been given shit for it. Uh, I like Ghost Light. It, it, it was apologize. four for me, man. So, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I It almost made my top three. So, gotcha. And I, the other thing that I like about it is how they like uh, deal with evolution as an idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot go as you said. There's a lot of different ideas happening here, and mm-hmm. I think it's executed well. Gotcha. Uh, all right, your last one was Curse of Fenric. Oh, Fenric. All right. So, so yeah. all right, the Seventh Doctor's Doctor Who magazine stories. Remembrance is number one, of course. That always ends up being his number one. Curse of Fenric number two. Number three is Survival. Uh huh. Number four is Ghost Light. So I guess uh, I was always there, folks. I was always there. <laughs> Uh, number, uh, so Silver Nemesis ends up number nine there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Greatest Show in the Galaxy is five. Time Ooh. of the Ronnie, rightfully, the last place one. Thank you. So, so. <laughs> and you can catch the final part of Brandon and Russell's 60th anniversary of Doctor Who celebration tomorrow on the Brandon Peters Show podcast as they conclude their chat discussing the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th Doctors leading into the 14th Doctor anniversary special. That's tomorrow here on the Brandon Peters Show. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>